Hello and welcome to 5 at 8. I'm Mark Overman and joining me today is Linda Carlisle. It's Friday, September 29th, 2023, and we have some great stories for you. In this episode, we'll talk about the latest news stories making headlines. First, we'll discuss the groundbreaking research on in vitro game to Genesis that could allow individuals of various backgrounds to have genetically related children. Then we'll explore how the European Central Bank is using artificial intelligence to understand inflation and regulate large banks. Next, we'll delve into the ongoing conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan and the displacement of thousands of people in the Nagorno-Karabakh region. After that, we'll examine the concerns surrounding China's economic problems and their potential impact on the rest of the world. Finally, we'll discuss the U.S. State Department's accusations against China for using deceptive methods to shape the global information environment. Stay tuned for these important stories. Story number one. In a report from NPR, Katsuoko Hayashi, a developmental geneticist at Osaka University in Japan, is conducting research on in vitro gametogenesis, IVG, which aims to create artificial eggs and sperm from any cell in the human body. This technology could potentially allow individuals of various backgrounds, such as older, infertile, single, gay, or transgender individuals, to have genetically related children. However, there are still technical and ethical challenges to overcome. Hayashi and his colleague Mitenori Saitu are working on developing mature human eggs through IVG, but caution that more research is needed to ensure safety and address ethical concerns. The Japanese government is considering allowing the creation of IVG embryos for research purposes, but public debate and discussion are necessary before making a decision. Why this is groundbreaking stuff, Linda. The idea of creating artificial eggs and sperm from any cell in the body, it's like something straight out of a sci-fi movie. The possibilities it opens up for folks who've had trouble conceiving, or those in the LGBTQ community, it's incredible. Absolutely, Mark. The potential benefits are immense. However, as with any scientific breakthrough of this magnitude, we must also weigh the ethical considerations. The potential misuse of such technology is a concern. It could lead to the creation of so-called designer babies, where parents could potentially pick and choose the traits they want for their child. Ah, yes. The old designer babies conundrum. It's a slippery slope, ain't it? On one hand... Who wouldn't want to ensure their child is free from certain genetic diseases? But on the other hand, where do we draw the line? Is choosing the color of their eyes or their height ethical? That's exactly the question, Mark. And then, there's the issue of societal acceptance. In Japan, for example, where much of this research is taking place, the public is reportedly uncomfortable with the idea of using IVG outside of traditional family structures. So the technology could be available, but societal norms and laws may not be ready to accept its outcomes. Yeah, and that's not even touching on the potential health risks. They mentioned concerns about mutations and early death. It's not just about the ethics. It's about ensuring the safety of these procedures, too. It's a lot to grapple with. It's a fascinating field, and it's advancing rapidly. But as we move forward, we need to ensure the conversation around the ethical societal and health implications keeps pace with it. Otherwise, we risk stepping into a future we're not wholly prepared for. Story number two. The European Central Bank is exploring the use of artificial intelligence, AI, to better understand inflation 
and regulate large banks, as reported by the New York Times. The bank is considering the use of large language models, similar to ChatGPT, for tasks such as summarizing information, improving public statements, and analyzing documents from banks. AI could also assist in structuring real-time data on individual prices to enhance inflation analysis. While central banks are cautious about the risks and challenges of AI, they recognize its potential in areas like risk management and routine economic analysis. The European Central Bank aims to adopt AI technologies while addressing data privacy, legal constraints, and ethical considerations. So, this is an exciting development, Linda. The European Central Bank exploring AI to better understand inflation and oversee big banking operations? That's like stepping into the future. I mean, think about the amount of data these central banks deal with. AI can provide new ways to collect, clean, analyze, and interpret that information. Yes, Mark, it's intriguing indeed. But remember, AI is still a tool. Decisions like interest rates still rest in the hands of humans as they should. And let's not forget about the risks. AI can be very useful for risk management. But in terms of macro problems like a financial crisis, it could potentially lead to catastrophic decisions. I hear you, Linda, but every new technology comes with its risks, right? Isn't it about how we manage and mitigate them? Like the bank said, it's still in the early stages. But the potential, it's massive. Automating the time-consuming process of sorting data needed for economic analysis could free up so much time for the human workforce. True, Mark. But there's also the ethical side of things. The European Central Bank has to consider data privacy, legal constraints, and other ethical issues like transparency and accountability. We can't just rush into this and accelerate the adoption of AI without a detailed understanding of these issues. I'm not saying they should rush it. But, you know, no organization wants to be left behind as AI becomes more accessible. And if it can help in better understanding inflation, why not give it a shot? We know how central banks were caught off guard by the recent inflation. Mark, it's not about being left behind. It's about taking responsible steps forward. We must tread lightly as the debate rages over the benefits and risks of AI. And remember, AI systems are only as good as the data they train on. The unique and infrequent nature of macroeconomic crises could mean the AI doesn't have enough relevant data to make accurate predictions. I see where you're coming from, Linda. However, it's also about the potential benefits. Look at the Bank of England. They're using AI to analyze large data sets which could help forecast economic growth, detect trouble at banks, or even prevent a financial crisis. That's, uh, that's pretty groundbreaking. Mark, potential benefits are one thing. Actual implementation and results are another. We need to wait and see how these experiments with AI pan out. Until then, caution is our best friend. Story number three. According to the Washington Post, the recent conflict between Armenia and Azerbaijan in the Nagorno-Karabakh region has resulted in the displacement of thousands of people. While about 70,000 individuals have already left the breakaway region for Armenia, this is not the first time such displacement has occurred. In the past, ethnic Armenian forces took control of Nagorno-Karabakh, leading to the movement of around 900,000 people to Azerbaijan and 300,000 to Armenia. The current situation raises concerns about the future of the region as tensions between the two countries persist. The cultural and religious significance of Nagorno-Karabakh for both Armenians and Azeris further fuels animosity.
The Russian peacekeeping force deployed in the region has been criticized for its inaction and Russia's inability or unwillingness to keep the only road leading from Nagorno-Karabakh to Armenia open has worsened the situation. Under the recent ceasefire agreement, Azerbaijan will reintegrate Nagorno-Karabakh, but there is skepticism regarding the treatment of ethnic Armenians and the preservation of their rights. Without international intervention, the risk of ethnic violence remains high. Do you know, Linda, what strikes me about this situation is the sheer scale of displacement. I mean, more than half of Nagorno-Karabakh's population leaving for Armenia, that's a huge number. It just goes to show how deep-seated these conflicts can be and the drastic effects they can have on people's lives. People just like you and me, having to leave their homes, their livelihoods, all behind. And the human impact of these conflicts can be devastating and often gets overlooked amidst the political and territorial disputes. What's also concerning is the potential for cultural erasure. With Armenians leaving the region, the cultural and linguistic landscape is bound to change, not to mention the loss of a place that holds deep cultural and religious significance for them. The cultural implications are huge. And this isn't just about land. It's about identity, heritage, and history. It's not something that can be understated. And it's not just the people in the region who are affected, but also those in the diaspora. They're seeing their ancestral lands being contested, their cultural heritage at risk. That's a critical point, Mark. And it's not just about the present, but also about the future. These conflicts have a way of perpetuating themselves, of being passed down through generations. Displaced individuals often hold on to these conflicts as part of their identity, their narrative, and it's hard to see how lasting peace can be achieved without addressing these deeper, more ingrained issues. Yeah, the road to peace isn't an easy one, especially in situations like this. It's not just about signing peace treaties or declaring ceasefires. It's about reconciliation, understanding, and mutual respect. But you know, as grim as it may seem, I'm an optimist at heart. I believe in the power of dialogue, of communication. I believe that, given time and effort, people can find common ground, can learn to live together in peace. It's a tough journey, no doubt, but one that's worth striving for. I echo your sentiments, Mark. The journey towards peace and reconciliation is indeed a long and arduous one. But it's a journey that we must embark on, for the sake of those affected, for the preservation of cultural identities, and for the hope of a more peaceful future. The international community needs to step up its efforts and work towards sustainable solutions that respect the rights and identities of all parties involved. Story number four. China's economic problems, including slow growth, high youth unemployment, and a disarrayed property market, have raised concerns about the impact on the rest of the world. According to the BBC, multinational corporations and their workers, as well as those indirectly linked to China, are likely to feel the effects. Companies heavily reliant on China's consumer markets such as Apple, Volkswagen, and Burberry will be hit by reduced spending, affecting suppliers and workers globally. China's slowdown also means less demand for raw materials and commodities, impacting countries like Australia, Brazil, and African nations. However, falling prices in China could benefit Western consumers dealing with high inflation. In a report from the BBC, China's economic problems may affect its commitment to infrastructure projects abroad, such as the Belt and Road Initiative. The impact on China's foreign policy and relations with the U.S. remains uncertain. While some argue a more vulnerable China may seek to repair relations, there is no evidence of a softening approach. 
The uncertainty surrounding China's economic situation raises concerns about its handling of Taiwan, with some suggesting a downturn could make China's leader, Xi Jinping, less predictable. However, others dismiss this notion, including U.S. President Joe Biden, who believes China's economic problems would not lead to an invasion of Taiwan. While a financial contagion similar to the 2008 global recession is unlikely, the interconnectedness of the global economy means that local concerns can have unforeseen effects on the rest of the world. Should we be worried, Linda? China's economic slowdown could potentially send shockwaves through the world economy. We've seen it happen before in 2008, although the circumstances were different then. But we can't ignore the fact that China is responsible for more than a third of the growth seen in the world. That's a substantial chunk. That's true, Mark. But one thing we need to remember is that China's economy is not as globally interconnected as the United States. The impact may not be as severe as we initially fear. Even so, the impact of this slowdown will be felt differently in different parts of the world. Absolutely. Countries that heavily depend on China for their exports will definitely feel the brunt. Countries like Australia, Brazil, and several African nations. If China's consumption goes down, their economies will take a hit. And let's not forget about all the multinational corporations that heavily rely on China's vast consumer market. If Chinese households start spending less, it's going to affect these companies' revenues, leading to a ripple effect on their suppliers and workers around the world. Right you are, Linda. And, uh, on the other side of the coin, for consumers in the West, low prices in China could be a welcome respite from rising prices at home. So, in the short term at least, there might be some benefits from China's economic slowdown. But we cannot overlook the long-term implications, especially for the developing world. China has invested heavily in infrastructure projects around the globe. If China's economic problems persist, these investments may start to suffer which could be detrimental for growth in these countries. Well, it's clear that what happens in China won't stay in China, but I guess only time will tell how the situation will unfold and how much it will impact the global economy. Right, Linda? It's a complex situation with so many variables. It's like a game of dominoes. Once one falls, it could set off a chain reaction. We should closely watch how it evolves. Story number five. According to a report from the New York Times, the U.S. State Department has accused China of using deceptive and coercive methods to shape the global information environment. China is alleged to have acquired stakes in foreign media outlets, utilized major social media platforms for promoting its views, and exerted pressure on international organizations and media outlets to silence critics of Beijing. The report, highlighted by the New York Times, emphasizes that China's information operations pose a growing security challenge to the U.S. and democratic principles worldwide. It also sheds light on China's export of digital surveillance tools and its utilization of propaganda and disinformation campaigns. The New York Times states that China's control over information internally is virtually absolute, and it is expanding its influence abroad through state channels and investments in foreign media. The report, as reported by the New York Times, suggests that China's campaigns often face resistance in other countries, but cautions that the Chinese Communist Party remains committed to reshaping the international environment to suit its political goals. Can you believe this, Linda? China using deceptive methods to manipulate global information? It's like they're playing a whole new kind of warfare. It's deeply concerning. This isn't just about one nation spreading its influence. 
It's about the potential erosion of democratic values worldwide. We're looking at a new form of digital authoritarianism that could reshape the global order. Right, and it's not just pushing their own propaganda, but also exporting digital surveillance tools, right? It's like a double-edged sword. Absolutely. They're not just controlling the narrative, but also monitoring how it's received and who's resisting. It's a comprehensive approach to controlling information. But Linda, hasn't this kind of thing always been part of geopolitics? I mean, countries have always used information to their advantage, haven't they? That's true, Mark. But what sets this apart is the scale and the sophistication. With the advent of social media and digital technology, the reach and impact of these campaigns are unprecedented. And when you add artificial intelligence into the mix, it becomes a whole different ballgame. Then, uh, what can be done to counter such information operations? Well, it's a complex issue. It requires concerted international action, strengthening cybersecurity laws, promoting transparency in the digital space, and investing in digital literacy can be some of the potential approaches. It's a challenge, but one that we must face head-on. Let's hope we're up to the task. Because, you know, as they say, the pen is mightier than the sword. And in this digital age, the keyboard might just be the mightiest weapon of all. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.